Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 73 for Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. And in this episode, I chatted with ARA's head of marketing, Jeremy Meyer, about what's new in the championship for 2020 and their media plans. It was from a couple weeks ago, but uh, it's still relevant information. So we're going to make sure you hear all that. Ian and I then also get a chance to shoot the breeze on various rally subjects, including Dirtfish is sudden emergent as the preeminent rally media source, and what we are doing here at Open Paddock to increase rally coverage in North America. So grab a beer with us, a hard cider, or even a hard seltzer, which happens to be the new craze. This is the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. It is good to be back on the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and I'm joined as usual by our Open Paddock resident artist, Ian Holmes. You've been a busy little bee working on those little drawings, man. Ah, uh, yeah. Can, can we blame Scott? Can we blame Scott Alderson for this? Because you know, uh, we, when we had him on the last the last podcast, I, his his work really did inspire me, you know. And I, I was, yeah, I mean, I haven't drawn anything figuratively in anger since I left art college, which is like <clears throat> a long time ago. And uh, so I got very jaded and I, I didn't draw for like the longest time. I mean, I always had other outlets for my creativity, you know, like photography and stuff like that. And uh, even writing the uh, the introductions to the Open Paddock podcast um, is enough for my creative juices sometime. But yeah, this time I just felt like drawing. So I picked up my iPad and me, uh, and me stylus and just started drawing. And well, yeah, people seem to like them so far. So it's fun and, uh, it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> I like that. Well, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start, uh, the show here with one of my favorite therapies and that's this sound. Oh Yeah. What do you got there today? Actually, it's Mike. nothing fancy. Um, it's actually left over from, I think, uh, when my uh, sister-in-law was here. It's uh, one just Angry Orchards Hard Ciders. Oh. I wanted something kind of bright and refreshing tonight. Uh-huh. I've got a beer in there that I, I wanted to drink, but it's, like, really heavy and mm-hmm. uh, a, a really good dark beer. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to have it, but I don't want to just fall asleep, so. Uh-huh. Well, I got a dark beer. Yeah, yeah, it is nice. and re- I like an Angry Orchard in the summer when it's – I like that nice, crisp, refreshing – light light taste whereas in the winter then i'm i'm onto the heavier beers and i've got a uh, vanilla porter from breckenridge brewery in uh, colorado oh yeah it's really quite pleasant it's not overly vanillary because you get some vanilla porters and uh, vanilla almost like knocks you off your off your chair but this one's nice and smooth and quite pleasant well nice nice like, yeah. it makes me feel like i should have brought my porter out but uh, anyway <laughs> That said, you know, we got a night where we could just kind of chat about stuff. Um, I, now, if there's some other content, uh, so actually it's going to be a little bit later on. I did get a chance to talk with Jeremy Meyer. Um, uh, we were having a chat about other things, about the media plan for this year and whatnot. I'm like, you know what? Let me just snag you to just get an overview of what 2020 looks like for ARA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we already kind of know some of the things. We talked about it last se- at the end of last season that, you know, the schedule came out nice and early, which was nice. A little bit of yep. a change there and, and some other stuff. <clears throat> There's a little bit of a change some of the rules and I think in the scoring stuff too. Uh, but nothing all that major. I think the biggest thing we noticed uh, was really kind of coming out of Snowdrift. And uh, that was how the podiums were done. And we now actually have a dedicated podium for our five cars. 
So that's new, right? The RC2 oh. class. So uh -huh. they did a, a separate podium just for them. Uh, yeah. So you still have the overall, right? So yeah. there's no no just open four-wheel drive um, mm -hmm. as well as overall. It's just you have an overall. Mm -hmm. And then what they've also done is they've grouped together. This is only for national, by the way. Regionals, yeah. they still do all the different subclasses and all that. And that, that's regionals are just a little bit different. Um, but anyways, in this case, they did the overall. Then they did four-wheel drive group together so what was the limited four-wheel drive four-wheel drive class right mm -hmm. and then you separately had the naturally aspirated four-wheel drive yeah those are combined now with national mm -hmm. so when we had the the, the podium for a snowdrift it was actually blake lind who was in his na4 car rent registered nationally who actually was faster well it looked like it was going to be somebody else that was going to win that one, but uh, they ended up having a little bit of brake issue. So uh, um, that was uh, Robert Sanders along with uh, Karen Jankowski. Mm -hmm. They were doing really well and looked like they were going to maybe uh, be on top in that class, but then ended up having some brake issues, lost some minutes, and Blake Lind ended up being the winner of the, of the overall four-wheel drive. Not the overall overall, but the subgroup. It's kind of confusing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you take the yep. not overalls of the entire rally. Yeah, that are the NA fours and the limited fours. Group those together, and it's the overall out of that group is who ends up being on uh, the mm -hmm. podium. So, that's, so you got basically yeah. a four wheel drive group. Yeah, that's segregated from the overall overall. They did the mm -hmm. same thing with two wheel drive. Two wheel drive is now joined together for the national podium. So you have the limited twos mixed in with the open two wheel drive guys. Mm -hmm. Um. I see the point. We had several podiums last year and in years past where, you know, just somebody entered and could be on a podium, but they weren't really all, all that quick and nothing against them yeah. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you could do some valuable stuff also in a regional by entering a national that one time because sometimes you enter national and some of the points convert over or whatever because you can get yeah. points that way blah 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 there was a few people on nationals take taking that strategy exactly it's strategic so, it was strategic yeah. that's a good way to put it and and i totally get it but it also was like kind of like kind of a ho-hum podiums of oh look there's the one person right mm -hmm. like, okay yeah eh. Granted, that can still happen if everybody crashes or the car yeah. breaks, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it gives more opportunity to have full podiums up there yeah. and, and a little bit of something else to, to fight for. You know, mm -hmm. there's yeah. fast NA4 cars out there and mm -hmm. some of the limited four cars that aren't as quick. They got all the horsepower, oh. but you got yeah. these lightweight, nimble little things that can compete with them. So, so <laughs> a little bit of a change yeah. to the podiums that did mm -hmm. I confuse you or, or you got it all now? Um, yeah, just don't give me a, t a, a written test later on. Let's see here. What else are we going to talk about? Um, we have some new stuff that we're doing here for Open Paddock. So uh, I, this kind of dovetails into the Dirtfish stuff. So yeah. I don't know if we want to talk about that first or talk about what we're doing. But... Well, to blow our own trumpet first. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited with, uh, with everything that we have planned. And the irony, of course, is that nobody else will know this except the people who are involved. But we were... We were all coming together and working and working on this and saying, what are we going to do to improve the rally coverage in North America? And then blow me the next day, Dirtfish come out with their huge announcement and kind of like stole our thunder a bit. <laughs> I mean, it literally was the next day. That's the hilarious thing. <laughs> we were, I mean, we had been coordinating it for a while and, and talking to people. And it was fine. It's like, OK, 
the the day that I picked to just like you know group people together, Dirtfish says, "Big announcement Monday, huh?" Dirtfish Media. Oh crap! <laughs> but no, it's awesome because I, the more the merrier, right? We we yeah. want more attention to the sport, especially in North America, which they say they're going to focus on that too. So yeah. uh, that'll be interesting. But as far as our end, we can definitely talk about what we're doing. Um, yeah. Collaborating with more people, uh, some media folks from across the country, a um, couple of teams. We need, to give every, we need to give everybody a name check, really. Uh, if they, if they want to be named as part of it, sure. Um, I guess we we could. Uh, so we got what Dash and Cars. We've got um, iHeartFast. We've got you know Tedrick Mealy, of course, part of that. We've got um, our friends over at Melee. You know that they, they've got their Melee Media stuff, so they're <laughs> helping you know post stuff and whatnot. We've got our friends over at Cooper Auto Works. Kelsey Stevens been doing a lot of stuff and collaborating with us. She knows a lot of the teams out there in the Midwest, and she's so good at doing uh, uh, coming up with ideas and things like that. Sideways Studios is working with us. We've got I, there, there, there's quite a few. Yeah. Um, uh, from up in Canada, we've got uh, Mike Cleaver, Mike who's Cleaver, you yeah. know does a lot of media stuff up there. So we've got quite a few people that are just uh, you know wanting to just communicate with us and help post stuff, and yeah. uh, people that that are as passionate about the sport as we are. People yeah. that are uh, wanting to contribute and just grow the sport as a whole. It's, you know, the idea wasn't for just it to really be just about open paddock, but I'd like people to have a place to go where they can get all their stuff. Because we've got all these teams with all this different content, all these different places, and it's great content, but where do I go to see it? And mm -hmm. so our goal is to try and do multiple posts a day. So you can, if you follow open paddock, you'll see more stuff, right? Um, that should be mostly across, you know, the, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and things like that. But we also have some stuff we're doing at our website. Um, granted, we have our podcast we're still doing like this. Uh, that's what keeps me really busy and makes it hard for me to do all those other posts. So having that extra help is huge. But we've also got some contributors like uh, Mad Mike. Uh, Mad Mike Halley, he's been around for forever. If you mm -hmm. know the American Rallying season, is he... Ugh. American rallying scene. Boy, how much of this angry orchard have I drank? God. <laughs> Anyways. Take two. <laughs> yeah, right? Mad Mike's been around for a long, long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Been rallying since the 70s. He's done everything from uh, a factory drive that he's had to, you know, be being a privateer. And uh, yeah, it, it, he brings a good flavor to uh, his stuff. It's called Mad Mike's Musings, and uh, we're doing them as, as notes on Facebook, uh, where you can kind of post a little article there, as well as on our webpage, openpaddock.net. But he gives us those reflections back of days of yore, and uh, with a little bit of humor to it. it it's kind of funny. Uh, maybe even mildly offensive, but you know, that's what happens when you're a little bit older and grouchy, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, lo I love Mike. He he's yeah, he's a Mike's fun a guy. He's yeah. got strong opinions, and, and usually uh, you know, he's got some facts to back those up. Uh, I don't always agree with him. Um, we've had our discussions, and uh, yeah, anyways, uh, make sure you follow those. So, yeah, Mad Mike's Musings, so that's kind of cool. Oh, had some sticky things made today, so that's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, I saw pictures of them. They look really cool. Yeah, can't wait to get one of those on the, uh, on the B pillar of the, uh, of the rally truck. So. Yeah, so brand new stickers, so we're going to start uh, making those and uh, give those out to... Uh, those have been on the podcast before. Kind of start with that, and uh, maybe give some out to fans too. So yeah, they had some a little emblem and whatnot come up with that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and then I'm doing something with uh, in collaboration with ARA. Uh, these are 
video podcasts, I guess, uh, video interviews, you, similar to what we're recording with here, just we just don't do video typically. Yeah, I don't think you want to see my mug all the time. And uh, I don't know what your office looks like, Ian, but boy, I had to do some serious cleaning to get mine ready <laughs> for doing these yep. podcasts or, or video versions of podcasts. And what it's called, it's called the Flying Finish. And the idea here is it's uh, post-event um, interviews uh, with the winners and those that had uh, some interesting things that happened at the rallies. You know, basically I'm doing like a really short, condensed kind of podcast. It's just video interviews with them um, across Skype. We get to hear about how their event went, um, what their plans are maybe for the for the next one and things like that. So... But yeah, had to do some cleanup, had to post up some rally stuff behind me here. Uh, so that way, at least when you saw stuff with the camera, it didn't look like just a big messy desk and stuff. Yeah, so uh, you've put one of those up already, have you? That That's all done by Airway. So I do oh, the recordings right. and I submit mm-hmm. it to them. Oh, and yeah. And then they do the editing and post it up because they got to put all the branding around it and all mm-hmm. the advertising okay. and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So there's been one up, I think, that's from Jimmy Pelizari? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So. so he won the overall regional. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, he's wicked quick in that NA4. And uh, yeah, so had the first one that went up was with him. Uh, and actually, what I'm also doing at the same time is I'm doing these um, uh, in collaboration, or sorry, what I'm doing as I'm recording. Boy, this, I swear, this is not that hard of a cider. I only had a couple sips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're yeah, recording yeah. those in video, I'm also recording separately an audio track, and so I'm going to use that as our content as well as what ARA's got in a video format. So mm-hmm. choose how you want to listen to it. Uh, but I've got it. You know, we've got it in both ways, and uh, yeah, just a little bit more more stuff to be able to offer folks. Um, the interviews that we've done so far was with um, uh, Brad Morris, who won the two wheel drive class. Uh, Santiago Glacius, who won the regional two-wheel drive class, and he was in a tight, tight battle. Uh, came down to like 2.5 seconds between him and Mark Rokas. So that was kind of cool, and uh, kind of get the story behind that. Um, caught up with Barry McKenna, as he said, uh, Jimmy Pelizari, I think. Oh, and uh, Blake, uh, Blake Lind, so, mm-hmm. uh, who ended up being the guy in the NA4 uh beating out all the other four-wheel drives. So, yeah, so I got a pretty good group of people uh, to get some uh, some cool little interviews out of. So Yeah, and also you, you, get, the chance, you get the chance to talk to them after they've uh, had a chance to, like, reflect on what happened rather than get them... Well, it's nice to get people straight on the podium talking to them, but uh, after they've had a, ch- a chance to, like, calm down a bit and then be a bit more introspective about what they've done, it's a, it's a little bit different way of doing things. It's also a way for me to be involved at events I'm not at. Um, mm-hmm. We, You know, one of the things you'll see here with the uh, Jeremy interview is that uh, their media plan for this year is a little bit different. Uh, and uh, basically what ARA's plan is, they're going to really kind of go more all out at four specific events this season. And the, the idea there is that um, they're going to have multiple camera people you know, mm-hmm. both me and Tiffany there, uh, a, a much bigger production, a dedicated person to do editing and producing. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it looks. I'm mm-hmm. excited about it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the idea here is show what is possible to see if we can get backing to go to another level or something like mm-hmm. that for a whole season. Yeah. So, yeah. And they're still going to be doing uh, media at the other events, but not at the same level. And so... Mm-hmm. Tiffany will be at the ones that are be closer to her because she lives uh, in Minnesota. 
over there. So that means she was at Snowdrift. She'll be at Southern Ohio, probably um, Ojibwe, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas out West, I'm going to be at Olympus and at Oregon Trail. This, I, what, this is my fourth year now of uh, doing this media stuff with them. And it's uh, it's hard to do that and have a day job. And so me being remote for some events, I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It, it is. It's all very exciting in, in that way. You know, we, like you say, if we're like, if they have a grand plan to like, like take to build this coverage up and then take it to another level. I mean, you you don't you don't want to be doing a multiple camera to pre, to present a job on every every event. You're at you cut your teeth on a few and then build up and maybe in a couple more years, then we'll have that elevated level of coverage across the board yeah exactly exactly so we'll see how it goes um obviously there's interest there um this Mm kind of goes down to another topic of um yeah 100 acre wood entries (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i I am so glad we got our entry in like on the second day because there was like about 60 cars entered when scott got our entry in i mean it's like and what is it what What's it now? There's like a, a hundred and six, a hundred and seven cars. Actually, I'm going to go there right now. Uh, yeah. Sneak Attack Rally, by the way, if you folks don't know it, uh, go there to look at entry lists and uh, timing and scoring stuff. Because uh, an awesome job by um, Nathan Usher, who you know does programming stuff, mm-hmm. and he basically built a, a, a similar thing. It was a long time ago called the uh, rally combiner thing he made it yeah. the ara combiner thing uh his version of that basically and it just pulls down all that data uh from ara and so you can see all the timing and scoring and stuff but um anyways in here you can see that the entry list does currently show 106 entries now they said their cutoff was 75 originally 75 yeah mm-hmm. so what does that mean so uh it means two two things number one Uh, For those fools that thought Rally was dead, you are so wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Dead in America, anyway. And that Subaru was gone. Nope. (laughs) Because they're definitely going to be there. Uh, Plenty of rumors of who's going to be driving those cars. But, regardless, uh, there are two entries there for Subaru Motorsports. So that's exciting. But the other thing is that the event itself, to handle 100 entries, they've got to really look at all these different aspects. Some people are like, going, well... It's easy. I mean, just just let them all in. You you've got this demand. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. First of all, are you going to be able to in a loop of cars? By the time that first car, because you know, it's a traveling circus the way we do rallies. Yeah. By the mm-hmm. way, by the time a car finishes its stages and goes through service, are you going to have that last car done and enough time for sweep crew to go through and clear the stage and maybe yank out a couple of cars so those guys can keep competing even if though they had a, you know, they they need to get a yank. And then get reprepped and ready for that next car to, to start again. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, adding 15 cars, maybe not so bad. Uh, or 10 or so. But you start adding 25 cars. That's a minute between each car. That's an additional yeah. 25 minutes. Plus, say, another 15, 20 minutes at least of, well, more than that. Probably more like 30 yeah. minutes of the stage mm-hmm. need to be cold. Well, don't forget that you have to have all the zero cars go through. Yep. And their separation is, uh, what, triple zero usually goes in an hour before the stage, or 45 minutes before the stage, double zero uh, about 20 minutes before it goes hot, and then single zero has to go through. So there's another hour you need to have free, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you just throw in all these things that you have to do, and suddenly 
that that can be a time crunch to mm-hmm. after the cars go through that loop and try and go through service they, they people might be waiting and then on top of that you have yeah. um, well you volunteered before so you understand as a, as a course worker yeah Mm-hmm. Are we going to have that stage stage running until midnight? Yeah, that's that's another thing. Yeah, yep. And uh, there's also like just the logistics of of service. I mean, are we going to have a big enough area field area for to get a hundred hundred cars cars and their service vehicles in? That's one of the first yeah. things they start looking at. It's like, hey, let's mm-hmm. look at our service map. We had planned for seventy five, and maybe with a little bit of you know buffer yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. But now, if we've got a hundred, yeah. that's a lot of spots you got to fill. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm and I'm trying to remember now where we. Well, I mean, we do finish in. Um, is it Potosi? No, it's not Potosi. It's um, what's the other one? Oh, Salem. Salem. Yeah, we're finishing. Salem has a big. We we're at the county fairgrounds there at Salem, and that's pretty big. But I can't think where we. Where are we on the on the uh, Friday? Oh, um, I know we, we started. That's Potosi. That's Potosi. Yeah, yeah. Potosi's uh, where you're on the where you're on the Friday, and then mm. Saturday is when you're uh, in the Salem area. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Potosi is pretty cramped, maybe. Yeah. Did, yeah. So I don't know. Do they actually have any more room to accommodate? even 10 more cars and service vehicles yeah that'll be interesting um i that, that, that's a really good question and i'm sure they're trying to work that out so yeah. so yeah anyways 100 entries it's it's really exciting that there's so much interest yeah but they now have to work out the logistics to, to figure out if they, if they can yeah. do it uh i i feel really bad for the organizers to be the ones mm-hmm. to have to make a decision who gets in and who doesn't do you, you know, do, do you leverage the national entries over uh, a brand new regional coming in? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you don't want to, dis- you know, don't want to discourage those folks. But no. at the same time, you know, nationals are doing the whole championship. Um, they're also paying a higher fee, which kind of helps the organizers a bit. Uh, that's my organizer hat that's on there. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, yeah, you, those regional guys, if they're regional to your area. You want to make sure they keep coming back. So, yeah. It's not a fun decision to no. make. I'm sure. No, I mean, and do, have to do, do we do we keep going on with first come first served? You know, do we exactly. like say? Do we now have have to say that get your entries in by X date, and then we will draw the first seventy five entries? You'd think that first come first serve is the way to go, but I don't know. I don't know. It's like I said, it's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Big it's challenge. great. It's, yep, it's great that we've got so many entries. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, I guess. If it you're going to have a problem, a problem, that's the problem you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, let's talk about some uh, rally events, though, um, that have happened. So, what, just a month ago or whatever, a little over a month ago, we had Alex Kiriani on the show. And he was telling us about how excited they were to go and try and do Monte Carlo for the first time. Him and their driver, Sean Johnston, you know, they're registered in just a two-wheel drive uh, uh, Peugeot 208, you know, just doing the an R2. You know, just going to get familiarized with doing Monte Carlo because just such a different rally. It's just always been a bucket list item. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they won. 
They won. They won their <laughs> class. Yeah, it's great. It's, Jeez. I mean, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be. We have to be like so proud of them. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I re- remember like all the interviews that you would see of them. It's just, oh, we're we're just we're just going to get to the finish. You know, it's like, uh-huh. and there you are. You're finishing first. It's yeah, fantastic. If I remember right, they even uh, had one of the fastest times in, in one of the last stages. So <laughs> it's like they had a big lead, and they're like, yeah, we're just comfortable, and yet still got fastest time. Uh, so, And that's out of all two-wheel drives that they ended up uh, winning that. So they they won also their class, which is RC4. Um, and then on top of that, uh, they uh, ended up winning out of all two-wheel drives. So they had like all these giant trophies. That was great. To see them sitting there as a, their car is up on the little podium thing, you know, they have these gigantic cups they're trying to hold. <laughs> oh, it felt very patri- patriotic that day, though, and uh, that was the first time an American has won um, outside of the U.S. at a, a um, uh, won a class. Uh, you know, I was looking back, I thought it was the first time that Americans had won any class in WRC, but actually, if you go back to um, when WRC was in the U.S., some of the lower classes for WRC, some of the American comp- competitors had met that class and there weren't that many Europeans that came over. And so, you know, if you were just smart in how you drove and didn't DNF, you know, you could get on a podium. So yeah. uh, we definitely had some Americans back then that, uh, uh, that, that did just, uh, just as well. Um, but a little bit different when you're going to Monte Carlo and you're competing against 40 others that yeah. are in that same class. So that's yeah. what makes this such a huge achievement. Plus it's Monte Carlo, which is such a challenging event and just so iconic. I mean, you, you ask anybody that knows anything about motorsport and you say Monte Carlo rally, it's like, Oh yeah, I know that one. I recognize that, you know, yeah. everybody recognizes it. So it's such a big deal and we're so proud of them and uh, we'll try and get them back on the show. Um, I've been kind of trading messages with Sean Johnston and whatnot because we haven't had him on yet. And, uh, but yeah, really excited for them. He he seems like he's suddenly just whatever it is. He's just clicked. Something's just mm-hmm. you know in his head. Yeah. Just he's got it, and it's yeah. just awesome. It is. It's very exciting. It's, actually, I mean, it's it's, it's an exciting t- exciting time to be an American in rally right now. What with uh, with this with, with this win and uh, the dirtfish announcement. I mean, it's it's all heading in the right direction. So let's talk about that because uh, yeah. so Dirtfish, right? So, you know, as we said before, you know, they made their announcement. They want to be uh, they've got Dirtfish Media. One of the things that I noticed, you know, of course, there was the announcement from Colin Clark that he mm-hmm. has left stage end reporting with WRC and he is now there, you know, one of the commentators for this uh, Dirtfish Media, which I, I I was floored by that, yeah, and yet excited as all hell um, mm-hmm. because I I love Colin. I mean, Colin he's yeah. been on our show many times and yep. um, just just a great guy. It, his enthusiasm is amazing, and I, I I just really enjoy the guy. I think he gives a great detail of, uh, of what events are like, not just mm-hmm. from the drivers and things like that, which is awesome in and of itself, but his experience doing all the radio stuff is he had to describe the environment that you couldn't see. And so that means he just has this natural, you know, learned ability to describe everything around him very eloquently. And so you'll find out about the local foods and, uh, you know, and, and what it's like in the crowds and all that Mm -hmm. stuff Uh, with Dirtfish media. He's writing some great articles on it. Uh, The Monte Carlo coverage is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, obviously he's got interviews with drivers and stuff too. He won't be at stage ends getting that stuff anymore, no. of course, but you know, the guy's got access, right? I mean, he, he knows everybody. He's, it's not like it's going to be an issue for him uh, no, uh, nah. getting and talking to drivers and teams because he's very well recognized. So that's really, really cool. Well, um, you saw the uh, you saw the interview that he did with uh, Andrea Adamo at the end of, of Monte Carlo. I mean, that was just like two best mates, wasn't it? Oh, man. And <laughs> the big <laughs> hug, the attack hug. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Just as they're about to cut, that was great. All of a sudden, mm. the barrel of a hug starts going towards Colin and they cut yeah. the video. <laughs> But yeah, he connects to people, uh, yeah. Colin does. And I think that's a, a huge get. Yeah, so so he's going to be doing, I guess, the, the video stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Piker was there for uh, a little bit of that. Uh, Dan Piker, co-driver for El Diablo Racing uh, normally, but he's now focusing on his day job, which is doing uh, video media stuff. And as a videographer, uh, he's now been picked up by Dirtfish to do that. And so he was actually also at Snowdrift. And so he left Monte Carlo to go to Snowdrift yeah. and get some video imagery from there. So um, that's really and cool yeah, to see that. Uh, yeah, and that that I saw that uh, that Snowdrift video that just came out the other day and uh, that Dirtfish didn't. That was outstanding. I mean, we had we had Colin Clark narrating it mm -hmm. and just absolutely wonderful atmospheric shots of the cars and the fire on bonfires on bonfire alley i mean that was a wonderful piece of work it's amazing what quality editing can do isn't yeah. it obviously mm -hmm. good, good shots as well but it's really it's about editing that all together to make a a proper production and mm -hmm. this is the kind of storytelling type uh quality video i've always wanted to see with yeah. rallying in north america mm -hmm. we just yeah. we okay launch control does it we know that <laughs> But they cover, obviously, just the Subaru guys. So to see something that covers kind of the whole event. Um, now, this wasn't event-specific as in following the winners and whatnot. It was a description mm -hmm. of Snowdrift and what makes it different from other rallies in the yeah. world. Anyway, a little bit different on uh, the approach and stuff like that to that kind of a rally and all the descriptive stuff that Colin gives that with all his energy and whatnot. It was just very well narrated, very well produced, and we want more of it. Absolutely, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I could see, I could see the people at the ARA going to a TV network and saying, "This is our sport, and it's going to make our sport look really good." And, and it just doesn't get the notoriety yet. And Dirtfish mm -hmm. has been just become just such a big name now, and their presence being with wait, Tanak has the uh, sponsor for him. It's all over his helmet. <laughs> you <laughs> cannot hide that it. That is so cool, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, so the whole world now is going to hear the name Dirtfish. Then they're going to go to Dirtfish's website and then they're going to see the content and then they're going to see American content in addition to the world content. And that will bring eyes that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So that is awesome. And uh, we're very excited for that. Uh, also announced this week was their get of David Evans. Now and that was a shocker. That was, those... I mean, if he was shocked by Colin Clark, I mean, David Evans. I mean, that liked that knocked you down. That knocked you on. That knocked you on the floor. That one did. That's an amazing get. Yeah. How long's he been with Autosport slash oh, MN? Gosh, twenty plus years, didn't he say? Mm-hmm. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, that's a long time to. Uh... And this is something I think Colin said when he made the switch. Um, but David Evans also put it uh, fairly eloquently. It was like, it, it would take 
something rather special to draw him away from where he was before. Mm-hmm. And he found that special with Dirtfish and Steve Rimmer. Yeah. Who Steve, um, that guy has a passion for rallying that knows no bounds. And it's amazing that somebody with that kind of uh, uh, fiscal ability is supporting our sport like he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think the cool thing here is you're not going to have to have the filtering, right? Because this, is, this yeah. you know, they also have to work the metrics and things like that when you're talking about a big publication. Um, you're competing against F1 coverage and all that stuff, right? These guys can do nothing but rally stuff and do it how they want it. I mean, Dirtfish is going to be... I think they're pretty hands-off on this. I'm, I haven't talked to them, don't know. But I can imagine they're going to let these guys like do what you do best and have at it because yeah. we just want the best coverage there is. Give us your opinion. Um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, they'll offend somebody every now and then. Colin's been known to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's not been without merit. You know, he's said stuff that is maybe brutally honest at times. Sometimes you have to. You know, yeah. but it's it's honest reporting. It's unfiltered. I can see when he was with WRC stuff, yeah, they would not want him to say anything bad about any manufacturer, you know, about them not performing well or something like that at any time. Uh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Here he can, in this platform, he can say pretty much whatever he wants, can't he? They're not beholden to a manufacturer or anything, mm-hmm. so there you go. Nope. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. And David Evans, yeah, his experience, his knowledge. If if you're going to get a scoop on what's going on, it's going to be David Evans that gets the scoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A specific, uh, specific example, uh, Oit Tanak going to mm-hmm. Hyundai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He broke that news a month before anybody else, before it was confirmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody's like, no, no, that's not really him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Bull. <laughs> he knew exactly <laughs> what he was talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's just huge. And the two of them uh, work mm-hmm. very well together. Uh, there, was a, there was a podcast called The Gravel Notes um, that was David Evans doing that, and Colin was on it regularly. So, uh, obviously, with Dirtfish, they're going to be doing, I guess, some podcast stuff there, they say. Yeah. So, haven't seen any of those yet, but excited to see what that comes up out of that because I think those two will uh, – Again, have a lot of cool things to, to share. And just think they might come to American events. That would be How cool. cool would that be? Get the get the, the, the top the top journalists in the sport here on the ground mm-hmm. at an event. I mean, yeah, that would be that would be unbelievable. I'm I'm super excited about that. Now it has yeah. happened once before. Um, yeah. Colin Clark, uh, how I kind of became quote unquote friends with him, I guess you could say. Uh, he came to Oregon Trail in 2014, and it was a perfect thing because Argentina was the weekend after, and so he could stop here, come to a rally, then go there uh, and start prepping for Argentina. It worked out just really well for him, uh, timing-wise. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I kept kind of pushing it. You know, we were messaging each other on social media. And I'm like, hey, if you come to U.S. event, you got to come to Oregon Trail. you got to come to Oregon Trail. And eventually it convinced him. So I, I felt that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, it would be great to have uh, them back here for events that don't conflict. I can imagine yeah. any of the WRC events would definitely be at those. So mm-hmm. there was a schedule change with Argentina this year. Yeah. Which now conflicts with Olympus, which mm-hmm. is which kind of sucks because that would be the home rally for Dirtfish. Yeah. 
and uh, not that Oregon's that far away. So nah. uh, Oregon Trail is going to be the next one after Olympus, and there is no conflict there. So maybe we'll see uh, those guys come over for Oregon Trail Rally. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty neat. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So let's hear what else we got going on. Um, let's see here. WRC Sweden coming up. And... Just. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> we, we've, we've already lost the historics from... Uh from that because the uh, ground is the roads are just not frozen enough they're just like muddy and slushy and crap <laughs> for want of a better word but yeah the uh, the narrow tires and narrow tracks of the uh, historic cars are like going to cut cut this road up the the rally stages up too much because the ground just isn't frozen so yep. it's it's going to be a, a whole different event this yeah this it was year. interesting sure. uh and in all reference david evans because i read his article on it and something i just didn't even think about was you know one reason why it, it's kind of easy for that rally to normally be put on is when it's covered in snow and whatnot the cleanup cost is almost nothing mm-hmm. you run a snowplow across it you're good yep but when you get down to where it's actual the road surface underneath and they're shredding that up that's going to cost the organizers a ton of money yeah. to have to fix that. And that's not a cost they're used to having to deal with. So uh, then throw in there now that they've had to adjust it. So so they moved it what farther north, the, mm-hmm. doing more of the stages that kind of border with Norway and whatnot, which I guess there is some snow up there. So that's good. Uh, or at least it's frozen. And, and that's actually the key, right? Because you got those yeah. spikes going into ice, and that is the key. The, the, the stages farther south, though, one of those is Collins Crest. Hmm. And they're not going to do that this year. So to not do Collins Crest, just think of how many dollars they probably lost on all those special um, uh, venues that they had. Remember how yeah. they've mm-hmm. built up that oh, gosh, jump yeah. to be, you've got all these special catered you know, tents and things like that. Those spaces mm-hmm. probably you know, pay a good dollar amount to the organizers yeah. to be out there. And now they don't have that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So... A really tough decision by those guys to have to say no and it's got to hurt the pocketbook a little bit but at least they're still able to do the rally um and at least the top cars will be running and i think the juniors are going to run as well so one other thing is we had a, a question come in or, or a comment come in from uh, one of our listeners uh her name is jessica and she sent a message to op over facebook and it was in regards to rally and the environment you know, definitely an interesting subject. You and I have talked about several different things uh, when it comes to that. Um, but she wanted to know, is, does ARA or any of the governing, any other governing rally bodies um, have initiatives for conserving the environment um, or for environmentalism? And the setting you know, for rallying, she's totally right. You know, it really can't be beat. You're out there in these wonderful places where the sport is. You know, you're out there in the woods, in the in the mountains and things like that. And so she was wondering, it's like, could there be uh, some of the ARAs make a, a volunteer and fundraising division to preserve the settings in which we enjoy racing? Um, first thing I would say to that is this would be probably something more on the organizer level than the ARA level. Uh, maybe not, but um, ARA as a sanctioning body, their their focus is coming up with a rule set, right? And, uh, you know, safety and things like that. The individual events are run by organizers and uh, in, in the local area. So, Putting something that together might be more on the on the local level than it would be at the national level, although they can have initiatives for such things as well. Uh, yeah. They'd have to coordinate 
with the locals. But I completely agree that yeah. rallying it would be a good place to say, you know, talk about our environment, and whatnot. Um, I, I would say that I've seen after we come through a rally stage and clean up after it, you know, the the graders go through and make the roads, you know, nice and smooth again and whatnot. Usually, leaving it better than what yeah. it was before. Uh, the service areas I've seen always cleaned up and mm. and taken better care of than I see most campsites. Yeah, when they mm. people leave those, so I would say that overall, you know, rallyists are uh, pretty good stewards of the environment. Yeah. Most yeah. of the people that I know that are rallyists also are mountain bikers and hikers mm -hmm. and things yeah. like that. So they're definitely environmental people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they blaze their cars through the woods, you know, really quick and whatnot, and uh, maybe burn a little extra fuel, but uh, as far as people go, I, these are people that are <laughs> big time car recyclers. Yeah. You know, you've got cars out there that are many years old yeah. that are still running and yeah. they didn't have to build a whole new car every year. Yeah. So I, I know more people that have, you know, new cars that they buy every three years than I know rallyists that keep, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that, that spend a ton on a whole bunch of, uh, stuff to, to, to build their car. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know here in uh, Minnesota, I mean, it's like uh, Namaji is uh, that's on a state the Namaji Trail Rally. That's in uh, a state forest, so we always have a uh, we always have a forest state forest warden on hand there. So we're so I mean, he's all, he's there checking. He's there there keeping. I, I would hesitate to say keeping an eye on us, but we have. A relation Nimaji has a relationship with with the uh, with the forest with the state forest up there, and they I, the story goes that after the the first of the re the first of the new Nimaji in, in winter what was that 2015 2016 the uh, forest marshal said why why don't you come back again in February you know so, so he, he invited us back. So that was that was pretty cool, and of course, uh, and uh, Ojibwe, Ojibwe is on a lot of state forest land mm -hmm. as well. So I mean, we have you have to be on your best behaviour there, and uh, I really think that uh, we we do do a good job keeping um looking after the environment and looking after everything that's around, and yeah. it, it 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 is it's, I mean, some of the most breathtaking sights that I've I've seen in Minnesota been been on a rally stage yeah it's like um, mackenzie lake the uh, the causeway across mackenzie lake there mm -hmm. i mean that, that's just stunningly beautiful i mean it's on a it's on a forestry logging road so not everybody sees that you know no, that's a very good point yeah I mean, oh, we get to go to places that you normally wouldn't see yeah that's um, it. because of special permissions we get Mm -hmm. in the sport and yeah. uh it definitely sh shines a light on these areas that uh people might not otherwise see i know the f uh, so i know the fia has uh has an initiative for wrc events that uh maybe maybe the ara could take a leaf out of uh out of the fia's book because the fia has a well i mean that the fia is the fia and they have like an environment and sustainability commission but exactly. they do, yeah, they do have a specific action for the environment program, you know, so they're looking for environmental, environmental solutions for all, all sports, all the motorsports. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's there online on the uh, FIA 
websites. I mean, it's it's something to maybe look at and see if we can adapt what they've got out there. I mean, it's 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 all very well saying you could have volunteers at, uh, to supervise like um, litter pickup and uh, making sure that all the the um, the spectator areas are left the way they are. But I mean, we're already putting a lot of work on volunteers as it is. I think though more what she's going for is like, could we, is there a way that there could be some initiative to have maybe do donation things at mm-hmm. a spectator area? Yeah. Um, or a certain amount of the, if mm-hmm. it's a paid spectator area, maybe you do, it's like, Hey, you know, for every, uh, you know, every entry that comes into, let's say Oregon trail where we actually charge to go into PIR. Yeah. Instead of the tickets being 15 bucks, make them uh, 17 bucks and the extra $2 per ticket, you know, goes towards something environmental or something mm-hmm. like that. I, yeah. Uh, you know, th- that's something that could be probably fairly easily done. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of causes out there, uh, but it, I, I get it, though, with the environmentalism because the locations we're at. We're also in a in a way that those people that do come out there that are from the city that come out to spectate that's a huge draw, right? You could get those people that normally wouldn't be out there in the country that often. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they're just full-on city slickers and they come out and yeah. just want to see the cars. You get their little uh, understanding and buy-in on the environment and whatnot. I still think, though, the majority of people that come out to these rallies are already environmental-focused. I, I just feel that they do. Everybody I've known, they're, except the outdoorsy types. Mm-hmm. They're not wasteful people, all that. So I, I said all that earlier. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess, what would you do, I guess, as a, conserv- a conservation initiative? I, I don't know. I guess, maybe, yeah, you could do uh, some donation stuff for uh, for spectator areas. You could try, um, yeah, if ARA was going to do something, increase entry fees to kind of go towards that, I, I guess. Mm, that wouldn't but, yeah, right? Very that's well. not going to yeah. go over very well, probably. Yeah. So, so something I guess that's really convincing Um uh, it would have to have a serious plan uh, yeah. on, on what to do and how to do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it is a, it is a great thing I love about the sport though. I'm an outdoorsy person. I, you know, yeah. born and raised Oregonian mm-hmm. spent all of my childhood going camping probably about, you know, eight times a year. And I love the outdoors and that's mm-hmm. like, wait, I can have racing and the outdoors at the same time. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. that's what I love about the sport. And uh, yeah. So I think on the forefront of it, it would be just making sure we're cleaning up like we should, um, you know, make sure our rules are strong on how we deal with uh, refueling yeah. so it's not dumped on the ground. Uh, you know, all that stuff does make some impact uh, in helping out, making sure we leave things behind better than they were. But we kind of already do that. So I guess what yeah. would be that next step, I think, would require, uh, I guess, somebody to come up with a really good plan and an initiative for that. I, I don't really have a good idea on what to do specifically for something like that. But uh, but very true. We, we go through all these wonderful places. And if it maybe it's a donation thing to the state forests or the, the state parks to help preserve them, maybe that's the easiest way to do it. Sounds good. Yeah. We're not going, we're not going to solve the problem overnight, but I think, yeah, we can uh, work towards these things. Definitely. Well, thank you, Jessica, by the way, for, uh, you know, sending in the comment and, uh, you know, open up the discussion there. If anybody else wants to, you know, chime in and uh, give us their input on uh, how we can maybe create some sort of initiative or, or your thoughts on 
um, rallying and environmentalism, uh, yeah, feel free to leave us some comments on social media and all that stuff. Because, uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic. Being Mr. Historic, I've got a couple of historic things for you. Yeah? Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I was talking about when I got my A-L-E-X-A was that I couldn't listen to the uh, Marcus Pye podcast. Well, so Marcus Pye is big in historic motor racing in England, and uh, he was invited to be the Master of Ceremonies at the uh, FIA Historic Motorsports Awards in Paris just before Christmas. And uh, so this was his awards for all of historic motorsport and he talked about this in his podcast and he spent probably the first 15 minutes of the podcast talking about historic rally in europe mm -hmm. and so if you want to get an idea of what historic rally is the, the coverage and the level of competition of historic rally in europe you should probably listen to uh the uh this this podcast it's podcast number nine of the marcus pie podcast and it really was quite interesting and he did actually wind wind the uh story up with the the feature up with a some stories about uh michelle mouton as well oh, so it, it was we yeah so it was really quite an entertaining listen so but the other big thing that i am totally excited about is um as you know i'm a member of the uh goodwood road and racing club and uh been to revival a couple of times so well this march i'm going to the uh members meeting and i ever since like september of last year good the um the goodwood has been sending out these mysterious emails with like pictures like close-ups of rally cars and stuff like that so i'm thinking there's something mysterious with rally cars going on at uh, at the members meeting so i said damn it I am going. I put down the money in the plane ticket and I ordered my tickets for the uh, members meeting and I didn't know what was going on, but I'm going. And I've now found out what's going on. There is going to be a special rally sprint on both the Saturday and the Sunday. Uh, uh, it's going to be run on Saturday night, so it's going to be in the dark. And then it's going to be run on Sunday afternoon, so it's going to be in the daylight as well. So that's going to be pretty cool. But what it's going to be is they are taking like cars from major periods in the history of rally in Europe. So we're talking uh, Group 4 cars. You're talking Lancia Stratos and Ford Escorts. Ooh, Stratos. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, uh, then I, we're I think have... I need to wipe, wipe my mouth now. Yeah. <laughs> And there are going to be Group B cars, of course. So let your mind run right on what Group B cars are going to be there. And then we're going to have Group A cars and World Rally cars as well. And it's going to be like about 25 of these cars are doing a special rally sprint stage, probably about a mile and a bit long. And uh, they're even going to—they're even going to have like a special transit stage as well. There's going to be tra transit to like the uh, timing to the uh, ATC and the MTC, and the the transit stage is going to be through the pedestrian tunnel under the racetrack. 
Oh, cool. So imagine <laughs> if you just like you're going through the pedestrian tunnel and you just like blip the throttle of your Lancia Stratos or your yeah, super... there go your eardrums. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so this is all very exciting, and uh, they they've not released confirmed any names of who's taking part yet, but. I've heard rumours of uh, Stig Blomqvist, Jimmy McRae, Nicky Grist, and your best friend, Petter Solberg. Uh, well, if you're calling best friend, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that he's a friend. Uh, he has bought me several beers this last year, so that was kind of cool. But uh, maybe, um, maybe you can email him and find out if it's true he's going to be there and what car he's going to be in. That that would be something spectacular. Um, I, I would definitely see him doing that kind of stuff because that is the kind of thing now that he's retired from official competition that uh, he's going to do more of those fun little things uh, like that. So yeah, this is all yeah, this is all very exciting. So this is the weekend after Hundred Acre Wood. So we're talking the twenty seventh, twenty eighth of March. So you know what. I'm getting back from 100 Acre Wood on uh, on the Sunday. I'll have a couple of days at work, and then I'll be jetting off to the UK. It'd be like the life of a professional co-driver, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> it can definitely get pretty darn busy. Pretty darn busy. So that's awesome. So yeah, really excited about that one, and I'll I'll take pictures and I'll I'll let you know how it is. Excellent, excellent. Uh, pictures and little video clips would be pretty darn cool to add to. Oh. Uh, Add to our feeds of stuff because we love historic stuff. Uh, yeah. Always been big fans. Um, well, before we uh, head on off to folks listening to uh, my little interview with Jeremy and those flying finish audio clips, uh, I, one that I wanted to actually point out was talking specifically with Barry McKenna. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I talked to him just earlier this week. He's going to be competing in WRC Mexico in an R5. Cool. And not his regular R5, but in a Skoda R5. Oh. It's already on the boat and on its way here, I think. Uh-huh. He's going to be testing that down in Arizona mm-hmm. before going down to Mexico with it. Yeah. The interesting thing there is I might happen to be in that area of Arizona the same exact time that he's doing testing there. Oh. So you... I might have to go see what's going on, see what's uh-huh. up. Because um, I won't be at WRC Mexico. I don't have time for that this year. Uh, that wasn't uh, budgeted for. But uh, I, I do need to go for sure. It's one of these years. But uh, if I could see him testing that car, that that would be pretty fun. Uh, that Those cars are just f- fabulous. And uh, yeah, so so I'm going to be maybe down in Arizona. Family just happens to live down there. Yeah. And uh, it was already pre-planned that we were going to go at the end of, uh, of uh, February. And he's going to be down there around that time before... Uh, the cars then go down to Mexico to get prepped for that rally. And then I think he does that one. And literally, as soon as the rally's done, the next day they fly. Uh, he goes back to work for a couple days, then flies to Missouri for 100 Acre Wood the next weekend. So, Oh, gosh. Wow. It's going to be pretty darn Like I said, mm-hmm. yeah, being a professional yeah. co-driver, a professional driver, you're going to be uh, moving oh, yeah. around a lot. <laughs> cool. But anyways, uh, so some great stuff coming up. We're going to have those uh, little audio clips for you. Uh, any any final words from you there, Ian? There was just something I just remembered. What's that? We should have, we should have talked about this in Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. but Monte Carlo was, what was it, the 250th consecutive points finish for M Sport? Yes, it was. 
That's a huge, huge thing. So they've uh, scored points consecutively since 2001, was it? So yeah, it was Monte Carlo, something like yeah, it was it, yeah, it was somewhere in the in the early two thousands, and yeah, mm-hmm. consecutively have. I mean, they've always had a car finish in the points, mm-hmm. all the way since then, and yeah. to have that from such a small budget team, yeah, that is so remarkable. And mm-hmm. they're they're the little engines that could. They're, they're always yeah. going to have a place in our hearts. Yeah. Granted, in my fantasy WRC, I did not pick them, but oh. Are we going to do uh, Sweden predictions? Sweden predictions. Ooh. <sighs> Why not? So, uh, by the way, it, let's talk about Monte Carlo, by the way. I yeah. almost won that one. You did. You did, honestly. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I picked Elvin Evans, and he had the lead, man, for a while. Yeah. I was feeling pretty darn chuffed about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I... I was, uh, every time I saw the results come up, I thought, oh, Mike's probably on the edge of his seat now. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty excited, pretty excited. And actually, uh, yeah, I picked a lot of the Toyota guys because I thought, yeah, OJ was going to do pretty well also. And yeah. turns out they both did, but they were they were trumped by uh, Thierry Neuville, who just pulled it out at the very end. Very, very intelligent drive and, and figured out exactly where he could push that car. So that's class. makes you wonder, Sweden, who's your pick? Well, um, are we going to do a top three, or are you just going to pick the winner? Oh, gosh, it's, it's, it's the conditions now. The conditions sure are going is. to be a real lottery, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So you need somebody who's going to be good in the wet. And we've lost we've lost Loeb has been dropped for Breen, hasn't he? Yep. So... And, he's gonna, and Breen is going to be told to just get points. So you know, I don't yeah. expect him to win. Mm-hmm. No. But uh, I, oh gosh, who's the best? Who's the best in the, at handling those crappy, slippery, <laughs> muddy conditions? I hate to say it, but I'm really thinking Evans again here. Um, you know, we we know that the the car is quick. Uh, it's very well balanced. It's a very fast rally. We know that, that car is really good in the quick. Yeah. Uh, in, in the quick stuff. So. But tire management's going to be a big thing because you're going to be shedding those studs like crazy. Yeah. So tire management, OGA is very good at that, as is Newville. I still think Tanak is still getting used to that car. Plus, he might be a little shook up after what happened to Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, boy, that that wreck that looked like it was out of a video game the way that it happened. I mean, literally, Uh, geez, cartwheeling. Anyway, um, my top three, I'm going to go... Actually, I'm going to go Neuville first. And the reason why I say Neuville first is because he's led that rally multiple times and made yep. silly mistakes. I think he's matured <laughs> enough. He won't make the silly mistake. So Neuville. Uh, I think OGA after that. Robin Para. Mm. Mm-hmm. That kid's just so natural. And yeah. I think that just, I, I don't know, especially he's already done a winter rally and won it in yeah. that car. Uh, and, and they are going to still do plenty of stuff on, on the snow. Um, yeah, that that's going to be my pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got Neville, followed by OGA, followed by Robin Para. Okay, hey, you well, go. Okay, me. Well, I, I'm going to. Uh, you convinced me about Evans, so I think I'm going to say Evans to win, mm-hmm. and then <sighs> Neville. And then Lappy, but I'm gonna oh. have the I'm gonna have the uh, caveat that Evans has to be leading by a long way on 
on Sunday morning. Because I I think, you know, this is the thing that makes me quite sad about Evans. It's like, what's this, like three times now? He's gone into Sunday with a slender lead and he's lost it. Yeah, I mean, Corsica was was not one you could count on that though because mm-hmm. that was yeah. that was a tire failure on yeah. something you couldn't even see in the road it's like what mm-hmm. that was yeah. a, that caused the puncture mm-hmm. but yeah yeah all right so that that would be what i would say all right well you'll find out that we are completely wrong and horrible <laughs> at uh guessing rally predictions but and now uh, you know I why i don't do fantasy rally <laughs> it's fun though it's good fun to, to play along and uh, there's a couple of different ones out there fantasywrc.com uh is a well-known one where you get a certain amount of money to spend on different drivers uh that's kind of cool and then uh you've got the one that's done by um steven harrell runs that one and i always forget the name and rally takeover there we go so you look up rallytakeover.kinja.com you'll find the links to uh their fantasy wrc it's always a fun one to join uh, neither of those really cost anything to 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 do be a part of, and uh, yeah, you get to do your picks. Um, of course, uh, the Fantasy WRC one to pay for their site costs and whatnot. They're always uh, happy to have a donation, but uh, but yeah, it's kind of a free thing to do and just fun to play with friends and uh, compete against me if you want and uh, see if you can pick some better uh, finishers. So Fantasy WRC, it's a cool thing. There you go. All right, I guess if that is it, then. We will be continuing on here with our interview that I had with uh, Jeremy Meyer of the American Rally Association. Well, as I said in our intro, I'd like to welcome Jeremy Meyer to the Open Paddock Rallycast for the first time. We had Doug Shepard on last year. This time, we got you, Jeremy, to tell us all about the ARA 2020 season. Welcome to the Rallycast. Hey, Mike. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, you and I have worked together. And we've talked about uh, trying to do more more with Open Paddock, and uh, it's great for the sport to to have such a voice going out there. So appreciate you having me on. Well, um, <clears throat> let's start things out a little bit, just talking about the 2020 season, you know, it's just about to kick off here with Snowdrift. Uh, <clears throat> just kind of a reminder for folks, uh, what's different this year from uh, last year's schedule? Well, I think the, the big thing is that uh, Idaho is going into a super regional status. You know, they're a great event, but we're bringing on uh, Southern Ohio. You know, we had, you look at what we've done over the last 12 months, adding events and, <laughs> You know, I remember this time last year when I came on board and it was like, oh, we're adding an event today. Oh, we're adding another event tomorrow. And, uh, you know, so I think I think this is just a, a shakeout of, of some of those events that we added last year when we got Southern Ohio in as a super regional. And they had, what, 73 cars, 75 cars last year. They were actually our biggest event. So. Yeah, right. Um, and there, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz uh, around that event. Uh, it's, a, it's a good location, right, you know, almost in the middle of, Central and East and maybe close enough for some of the West uh, West teams to kind of kind of stretch their legs out a little bit. So uh, we're excited about that and, uh, you know, excited to, to bring a number, you know, bring all of our events back. Uh, we, we are we have approved to do a, a regional rally at Nevada um, and then we're just finalizing uh, some of the dates uh, with Rally Colorado and just make sure we don't have too many conflicts on the national schedule. Wow, that's great! And to have something in the desert Southwest—that's just—that's just such a market that it is needing rally, and that's awesome. Oh yeah, you know, I think we hear the, the Southwest, and then you start to hear grumblings of Georgia and Florida and all that <laughs> stuff. So I, I think it's a good time to be alive, right? It's, <laughs> Rally's it, doing it, well. Yeah, it, it's you look at the number. You and I were just talking uh, uh, before about 
um, hundred acre wood. I mean, we're up to ninety. You know, their capacity is seventy five, <laughs> is what they want. But they're at they're at ninety now. So, and some names are coming back too. As uh, Bucky Lassick coming back on a regional side, but he's he registered at like eighty nine or ninety. So, um, uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of change and uh, a lot of cars going out there for that hundred acre woods. But first, first on the docket, of course, the snowdrift. Let's talk about uh, the classes. I want to make sure that, you know, folks know out there if there's any changes this year because, you know, new season, you kind of reevaluate the rules and stuff from the previous year. Uh, Do we have any class changes going into 2020? Yeah, um, we're kind of combining some of our our classes, at least as far as the the championship uh, structure goes and and how the podiums are going to be be run, uh, excuse me, at at the national level events. The scoring's all going to be be scored the same as it was last year, but we'll have the overall. But we're combining limited four and and a four uh, into one class, and then uh, open wheel two and, and limited two in a, into one class as well. Uh, I think we saw a lot of we have great numbers in, in some of those classes in the regional side, but uh, on a national level, you know, we're having one two cars finish and, and sometimes one or two cars. Uh, enter some of those classes. So it, it, it made sense. It cleans up the podium a little bit. It cleans up the classes a little bit, uh, makes, makes a little more competition out there. And, and of course, you know, we're, we're putting more into the, the RC2 program as well with, um, you know, McKenna's, Barry McKenna and McKenna Motorsports backing. And I, what do we have? We have four coming out uh, to Snowdrift. I don't remember the last number. It's three or four to uh, Snowdrift and at least five already entered to 100 Acre Wood. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, Barry's got a heck of a program going out there and, uh, you know, and bringing another manufacturer along to, to compete with the with Subaru program out there. So we're excited about that. You know, Barry's put a lot into it, and, and it's good to see a program start uh, picking up like that. So those changes are going to be on the national side. So on the regional side, is there any changes in the classes there, or are we going to keep those pretty much the same? Everything's going to, going to stay the same uh, on the regional side. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, of course, that uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is a little bit with the, with the scoring side, because I know there's a little bit of confusion with the super regional and the regionals entering national. Are you guys uh, changing that scoring up a little bit? Um, uh, just a, a little bit. Um, you know, Doug and I were talking a little bit about the other day. Um, the, the point structures are, are you're going to get 17 points for super regional points now. I believe they were 12 last year. Um, so a little, little bit on the scoring uh, on that, um, and uh, there, there's something else in there, and I, I apologize at this time of night. Well, you guys did just post remember. up the, uh, the new rules and stuff uh, right. up on the yeah. website just like a few days ago. So Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, Doug sends it over and says post this, so we post it up as quick as we can. So uh, that's up there, and we, you and I were talking about the rule book as, as well going um, up there. There's a couple of bulletins up there now for that. Um, I think, like you said, it's a living, breathing document, the, the rules package. So um, always look. We, we're, we've been working on the website a lot to make it a little more uh, user friendly, a um, little more easier shopping on stuff like that. So it loads faster, um, too. Yeah, we, we took some stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that. I'm an IT guy, so uh, yeah. a faster loading page is uh, much appreciated. <laughs> you, know, you, you yelled at me a lot last year for that so um, you know there's just some yeah there was just some funky things in there um from and it, it that happens with growth right um you, you grow so fast and then you got to go back and catch up sometimes so um look at the look at the event pages uh, that we get out there and we put social media feeds in there um cleaned up some stuff made it more mobile friendly um we're, we're 
constantly reworking the the results pages. Uh, you uh, one thing that uh, you know I didn't talk about earlier, but uh, Nathan Usher has been a huge help with us um, um, with Sneak Attack. He's he's actually doing a lot of back end programming for us so that uh, we can get uh, results and points up. Um, uh, you'll see the the lineups, the the entries um, on each yeah, page. Yeah, it's, it's quick to load. It's all right there. Yeah. It's 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 very well done. Yeah. Hats off yeah, to so, Nathan. He's he's awesome at that stuff. Yeah, and so and we're we're taking that you know we're going to take the next step. You know, um, whether it's car numbers or or just any data that we can do that can be automated, <laughs> makes our life a heck of a lot easier, and it's better for you guys on the back end. Uh, so I guess the next thing I wanted to know about is uh, any sponsorship changes. You know, everybody's always like, you know, how's ARA doing and all that stuff. Well, obviously, the entries going in Hundred Acre Wood makes it all very positive. <laughs> um, so we got the same sponsors this year, and or uh, you know, I guess any big changes there? You know, nothing major. Amzo still back as our presenting sponsor. Um, you know, we got good tire com- uh, companies. We got Cooper. We got Hoosier. Um, uh, in the works, bring Pirelli back again. Um, uh, who, who else is out there? Um, Subaru, Ford Performance, you know, VP Fuels is our, our fuel supplier again. So, um, yeah, not a lot of changes, especially on the contingency side. Uh, you have seen a number of, of companies step up too, especially with some of the some of the events that are out there. I know Oregon, Snowdrift, I believe uh, Southern Ohio, maybe it's Hundred Acre Woods. You know, they got, you know, Cooper's been been spending some money on the event side so so that's good i think it's when you see car counts and and continuity and cohesiveness and and sometimes people don't think cohesiveness cohesiveness is out there but it it really is mike um you know just talking to the organizers more you know we're all moving in the same direction it's not an easy not an easy turn it's a big shift to turn but uh i think what the success of these events and the car counts that they're having um, and just kind of renewed interest in, in rally. It's it, it's good because now uh, people are spending their money um, with organizers with the series, and even teams are going to benefit from it. So it's all a step in the right direction. And that's great. You said that, you know Subaru's back as a sponsor as well. I know they've always been a big supporter of the sport. And uh, I actually happened to just notice that they've got their contingency plan posted on their website. So they're not dead apparently. They're not going away. <laughs> no, no. And, and we actually. We were in a, in a second year of a contract with them, so we knew that they were going to be back. And uh, everybody over there, we've had great conversations with um, about going forward. And I, when they come out with with their plan, everybody's going to be really, really happy. I know you and I have seen the the, the keyboards burning up on who's going to be filling those seats. And um, if everything holds true, it's going to be pretty exciting to see, and it's going to be great for the sport. And uh, I guess you were saying to me that uh, we got some plans coming up for uh, 2020 on the media side. Yeah, I think, you know, it. as we said, we're refining every day. We're, we're trying to get a little bit better in how we do it and how we bring uh, exposure out, you know, more video, utilizing YouTube more. Uh, you and I, were, we, we did some things there last year, um, you know, focusing on, on you know, doing, a, doing a, a short webisode around, you know, the women of, of Rally um, that will start this week and getting some interviews, start compiling that stuff. Um, just better exposure better exposure um you and i are talking about doing some stuff with skype and, and interviewing online uh some of the winners from each event or some of the people who have had really good rallies um and, and utilizing technology that you know, it might be inexpensive but it gets the word out there and gets the message of, of ara uh, what we're really going to do from a national perspective this year mike is is focus on a few events that 
we can utilize how they lay out and start start building off of, of those um, at Hundred Acre Woods. You know, you're going to come back for Hundred Acre Woods, and we'll have Tiffany back. Uh, Tiffany will be a couple of events. You'll be at some of the events, but uh, three or four national events starting at Hundred Acre Woods, where you know they've got some some areas where where people show up, where they're easy access. Um, you know, they have a super special that, that's well attended, or they have a, a really good uh, park expose, or or just something really cool. And, and and doing more during the day show type stuff um, where it's live, but maybe it's highlight packs, maybe it's it's live from a stage um, where we're kind of recapping the entire day. So, uh, and then just more video at the end of the day on all of our social media channels. You know, utilizing Twitter more um, just for 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 data you know put to put the data out there um uh just just more content more content more more people more of the guys that are making this happen and really that that comes down to uh all the teams all the racers all the drivers and co-drivers awesome well i'm excited to see what this looks like you know you know we've talked about it just a little bit on the back end like you're saying and uh uh, th- those few events that uh, you're going to kind of go all out on. Um, it'll be really cool to see just the, the bigger presence, you know. We, we experimented right. with some things last year, kind of did a little bit smaller scale. So now that yep. we narrow the events, we can expand the scale and maybe come out with some really cool stuff. Right. And, and you know, hey, I was I was the new guy last year, right? So everybody gave me the stink eye and the cross-eyed look last year. But we had, you know, we had you and uh, I think people were seeing what we were trying to accomplish there at the end of the year. Um and really understanding the, the diversity with each event is, is one of the big things. Um, They're and, all very different. That's true. Right. And, you know, the biggest thing that we run into, Mike, is is the geography of it all. You know, like there's not a ton of, of service in these areas, right? And, you know, WRC has, you know, they have a good pockets and they do things exceptionally well. And They have an um, airplane orbiting <laughs> above the rally to get their yes. video. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Subaru had a chopper, <laughs> but yeah, they, and they have money and, and, and resources to do that. And they've had history on their, their side, um, being able to grow that. So yes, that's a long-term plan to think that we're going to come out and have 15 live stages and, um, in the next year or two, let's be realistic. Okay. Uh, unless we find a good sugar daddy or something that we can, that we can <laughs> call upon for some cash, but we're going to be smart. Uh, we're going to work hard, and uh, we're going to tell as many stories as we possibly can out there. Snowdrift is literally just uh, – we're going to have uh, tomorrow is where they go on recce with uh, Friday. Yep. The uh, the event starts. Um, are you ready for it? Out, ready to be out there in the snow? <laughs> uh, well, I live in Duluth, Minnesota, so we have way more snow than they do. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but no, as an organization, as an event, uh, they're definitely ready. Uh, they have good car counts. So I think they're at, what, 40, 43 now? Uh, the last I saw, I think they had a couple. Uh, I think Travis Neese pulled out and a couple other guys um, before the rally, but which which happens in every rally. But we're ready for it. Uh, those guys are ready. They've got some some minor changes going on. Uh, no super special this year. Uh, the, apparently, the gravel pit, uh, the owner of the gravel pit, uh, decided he wanted to make money on the gravel instead of letting us come and race there every year. But but you know they're working on their plans for the future for that that side of things. Um, you know it, it's got everything else you need. It's got snow. It's got cold. It's Although it's not as cold as last year, it's Thank going to be goodness. about fifty degrees warmer. <laughs> um, and, you know, and they got Bonfire Alley. I mean, how cool is that? It, it's so it's not one a, not of the of... iconic stages in yes. all of American rallying for sure. Right. You know, and, and that was the that was the second rally I went to 
um, cause I went to, um, Nemagi, which is just down the road from me here, um, when I first got hired and, but really the first national snowdrift. And if you go to bonfire alley and see that, like, how do you not get addicted? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, um, you know, talking to talking to organizers out there, what, you know, what they want to see is essentially, or what they're going to see is it's been a little warmer. They don't have a ton of snow, uh, like they have in probably past years. If it's going to be warm, it's going to be in the thirties. Some of those roads could get, uh, pretty rough, pretty rutted up and, um, it just depends on all the prep and, and how much ice is on there. So it's, that's going to be fun. It's going to be um, probably some attrition going on this week, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Well, that, that's Snowdrift for you. It's the one that's really more <laughs> about uh, managing your rally than it is all-out speed. So uh, right, definitely right. interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, good luck this weekend. Like I said, we're really excited to follow along and, uh, and, and see what happens with all that action, all those cool cars out there. Um, maybe Fatella can, you know, get his win again, but he's got a lot of stiff competition. So, uh, yeah, good luck out there. Yeah. Those, uh, those R fives are, are, they're going to be coming for him. So, <laughs> so no, it, it'd be a fun weekend. Uh, hey Mike, it, it's good to have you back on board, uh, for 2020. Uh, it's going to be a fun season and I hope, uh, everybody's excited for the ride along with us here. All right. Take care. And, uh, we'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks Mike. Well, originally I was going to include the Flying Finish audio bits I recorded at the end of the podcast here, but that would have made this thing that much longer. So I'll edit those and put them up in a separate post. As always, thanks for listening and for the downloads. We really appreciate it, especially for those of you that are doing uh, ratings and commenting, because that really improves our ranking with the mad scientist-designed algorithms out there. And also, be sure to follow our Facebook page. We have more and more stuff that's being posted up there with our group of collaborators that we're now all working together. And, uh, of course, you can now listen to this. According to Ian, you can catch our ramblings on a smart speaker. Just tell it to play the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And remember, keep it shiny side up and don't cut.